This is a Protoss podcast. There was a time, only a few years ago, when blockchain and tokenization was pitched as the single solution to all the problems. Everything will be better, faster, and cheaper. Dentacoin, the Bitcoin of dentistry, fuels the entire dental ecosystem, creating value for everyone. It's the dawn of a new era. Take a big step forward with Finny. Secure. Everything that exists is no longer going to exist in the way that it does today. And the best part? It increases our wealth. It isn't too difficult to find oneself believing the hype because we're all inclined to believe it. We want to believe it. The hype can present itself as a revolutionary political candidate. The most beautiful piece of chocolate cake that you've ever seen and President Xi was enjoying it. A new fun song. Or even a transformative financial instrument. Dive into crypto. Most of the concepts from the 2017-2018 crypto bull run collapsed under the weight of their own absurdity. But some continue to linger to this day. And while the cryptocurrency and fintech worlds have raced to innovate on top of innovation and then square it, the industries have left projects, ideas, and fully funded utopias in their wake. Join Bennett Tomlin and I for another episode of Innovative Blockchain City. It seems like a lot of people are into the idea of constructing government around blockchains. It's a little bit less clear how exactly they intend on having it function. Most of the proposals seem to involve using the blockchain as part of the infrastructure for holding elections and referendums and stuff inside the governed area. The exact mechanics of this are never 100% explained, but we can assume they can figure them out. Other proposals involve, for example, the blockchain city receiving a small tax on all transactions collected automatically, which might be an improvement, I guess. Other proposals use it primarily as an identity mechanism. This is something Blockchain's LLC was really into. They wanted to construct some kind of wallet or solution you could use to verify your identity on their blockchain and then use that identity to interact with a whole bunch of different government agencies and service, with now your blockchain identity being like your single universal identifier. Unfortunately, Blockchain's LLC or Blockchain City didn't propose a simple identity solution. They proposed more than just that. In fact, it was the greatest innovation since Silicon Valley. What an innovation zone is, is an opportunity for Nevada to become the epicenter of the most important emerging technology of the future. Blockchain. I started to understand the potential of blockchain. Three weeks ago, approximately three weeks ago, I was asked to be at a tech summit by the governor of Nevada. And when the governor was asking Elon Musk about the future, Elon was talking about sustainable energy and renewable energy and, and that that would be how humanity would be powered in the future. But when the governor asked me, 
blockchain is going to empower all of humanity. So I think the idea of a bunch of similar industries tending to congregate into a single geographical area and stuff is a thing we see happen pretty frequently. My understanding is though it often arises at least semi-naturally or as a byproduct of like almost like a network effect that drives it. But the new paradigm, Web3, the blockchain, has changed all of that. No longer do borders, politics, or cultures stand in the way of the decentralized future. Entire governments and physical ecosystems will be built on the backs of cryptocurrencies. And it isn't just Jeffrey Burns saying it. It's young hedge fund managers and venture capitalists like Anthony Pompliano. When I think of tokenization, there's the fractional ownership of an asset, and then there's the digitization of that fractional ownership. Now, the process of digitizing that uh, capital stack just means that rather than have the paper share certificate as the unit of ownership, you're going to allow the blockchain to manage the ownership structure or the capital table. Um, and so the way that you do that is everyone who holds shares in the company merely holds a token that is on the blockchain. It's R&B superstar Akon. So this project, we're looking at Akon City as to become the beginning of Africa's future. And our idea is to build a futuristic city that incorporates all the latest technologies cryptocurrencies, and also the future of how African society should become in the future. It's even the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele. So we were thinking of building Bitcoin City. It's not just an idea. Yeah, it was not just an idea, but it would actually be a legal municipality with mayor and everything. The world is now seemingly backing Web3 and the blockchain. However, despite all of the promises and glamour, the non-fungible tokens and decentralized futures, there's little to show for it. So again, the lingering question is, what does Web3 and the blockchain do for national, provincial, and local governments that hasn't already been accomplished? So if you are someone interested in becoming an actor participating in the entertainment industry. In order to successfully do that, you're going to need to go where there are entertainment things being produced. So then, when someone wants to produce an entertainment thing, they're going to go to the place where the entertainers are, right? You see kind of the similar dynamic with Silicon Valley. But I don't think that Silicon Valley... I, I hear that often where people try to utilize Silicon Valley as similar in nature to something like an innovation zone. And I disagree heartily with that because Stanford and Berkeley, which were specializing in computer stuff, and UCLA also, which is not that far, they, they were pioneers in computer technology. So I think that suggesting that Silicon Valley was like crafted by a company or two to and brought all these pioneers there on their own. Like, no, they it went there because there was cheap talent there. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was leading up to here. In terms of water and sewer, I mean, if you everyone's identity is on the blockchain, then maybe it's possible to do some of the billing and management of that stuff on the blockchain. Blockchain, as the technology, does not necessarily make that easier. 
And often what you'll end up seeing in these cases, as you often see with different standards organization, is unless everyone converges on a single standard, you end up with tons of competing standards. So if my identity for the Painted Rock Smart City is managed by this one blockchain identity provider, and luckily, most of the companies inside of the Painted Rock Smart City have integrated with that specific standard, I may be able to use my blockchain identifier to interact with those entities. However, if there is another city one town over where the various companies there have started to converge on a different identity standard, you will need to have a separate identity, basically. And you could take this through to the rest of their claims, too, that it will help these different agencies and stuff interact together. How or why would it do that? All the blockchain is is a series of of transactions ordered in a certain way contained in blocks that contain some pointer or hash towards the last block, so you know what order they occurred. How does that promote interoperability between the water company and the city government of Painted Rock? So maybe the beneficial part of this city is that it's pushing forward innovative technologies. I mean, you're exactly right. It makes sense that the Painted Rock Smart City and the Innovation Zone plan were a cornerstone of Governor Sisolak's economic agenda. His goal as governor was to help modernize and grow Nevada's economy. And he believed that attracting more of this cryptocurrency talent in these high-earning positions, he could help do that. Other attempts to try to grow Nevada's economy often involved significant tax breaks like the Tesla Gigafactory. The Innovation Zone plan, in contrast, simply allowed for the formation of a new county that would have the abilities of a county, like setting its own taxes. And so when that's weighted against the promised benefits of the Painted Rock Smart City, it becomes quite appealing. Jeffrey Burns, in the firm that did the economic analysis for the Innovation Zone bill, had some pretty incredible promises. The 67,000 acres where the Painted Rock Smart City was to be built is currently only zoned for 3,500 homes. This is part of the reason they needed this bill to pass, so that they could become their own county and build more homes than that. Because their goal was to build 15,000 housing units, housing about 36,000 permanent residents. There would be 11 million square feet of commercial space and more than 22 million square feet of industrial-related development. The entire build-out of this development would have economic impacts of greater than $16 billion and support $7 billion in wages and salaries, employing 124,000 people. The permanent impact of this was even larger in many respects, with annual impacts in excess of $4.5 billion and nearly $1.8 billion in wages while supporting 40,000 positions within the region. This would mean approximately 2% of all wages paid in Nevada would come from positions in the Painted Rock Smart City. If you're a governor being told that someone bought up 67,000 acres of underutilized rural land and wants to create an economic engine that can generate impacts of greater than $4.5 billion per year, and all they need from you is the right to make their own county and set their own taxes, I imagine that could be a very appealing pitch. People talk about how this will be a boon for infrastructure and for communities in general, that having a token to represent a community, a city, all of these things, is good 
because then people are incentivized to continue to collect those tokens and, I don't know, if it gives them voting rights, accomplish something for the city and feel as though they're a part of it or, or for that matter, state, nation, whatever. I don't think introducing incentives, financial incentives, is going to accomplish anything. Hard as we tried to come up with a reason for this to exist, or any blockchain city, Bitcoin city, Ethereum city, or NFT city, we simply couldn't. Blockchains are a tool, an instrument to use for uh, decentralized transactions. The same way you wouldn't build money city, or telephone city, or kitchen knife city. There's no reason to have a blockchain city. And we're under the assumption that that will become clearer and clearer as more people attempt to dip their toes into the abstract concept of blockchains and urban planning. So after reviewing some of the hype and promises of the blockchain city in this episode, we'll be taking a hard, critical look at the issues of building in a place like Story County and the resemblance these new, futuristic shining cities on hills have to a much darker and sadder part of American history, the company town. Join us next time on Innovated Blockchain City. <laughs>